Hey folks, it's Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to a new episode of Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Yeah! All right, everybody. How are you all doing out there? I hope you guys are all having a great week. Great sort of end of last summer days, getting ready for school to start. Hopefully everybody is uh, busy, you know, getting ready for Labor Day weekend coming up. Who's excited about that? I know I am. Yeah, we're going to take a little little, little four-dayer maybe. We might take a little most of Friday off. We could take Monday off. We're just going to groove and hang and hang and groove, right? All right, so what's going on on today's episode? Well, uh, this is, is going to be a wild one flat out. This is a wild one. So on today's episode, we're going to be talking to Thomas Fluharty, and we're going to be talking about his Prism Color 901 Indigo Blue series book. That was a mouthful. Basically, what we're going to talk about is some sweet-ass artwork, flat out. Oh, if you have kids in the car, I just said the word ass. Sorry about that. Oh, I just said it again. Sorry, that's twice in a row. But yeah, we're going to be talking about this guy's artwork, and it, this art is unbelievable, and we're going to talk a lot about the creative process and constructive criticism and you know how to grow and pop what you do and tell people about it. So, so Thomas was an awesome interview. It's, it's wild. You can definitely feel we're all over the place a little bit on it, but it was great. So I definitely encourage you guys to stick around here, get through my rant or fast forward, whatever you got to do um, to get to the interview, and then when you're done with that, go over and back his Kickstarter campaign. Um, it's very, very cool. So again, Thomas Fluhart. He's coming up here in just a moment. So what's going on over here? Well, we uh, last night we had our back-to-school meet-the-teachers picnic thingy, um, which was great. We got to go in and uh, meet my son's teacher and my daughter's teacher, which we already knew because uh, my daughter has the same preschool or kindergarten teacher as my son. So that was awesome. Got to meet them, got to see everybody and uh, good energy. You know, I mean, this is such an exciting time, right? It's like, it kind of feels like this is the actual new year, right? It feels like this is when you start getting new stuff done. And we're all talking here at the company about growth and what this looks like. And for me particularly, I, you know, I'm excited because I think I've crossed like a major threshold in life, right? Once you have children is um, I won't have kids around me as I work. I mean, for the last seven years, every email typically has had a kid behind me doing it, you know, or, or with me. And, and I, you know, it's just been sort of seven years of like, I call it like constant distraction or constant multitasking, which is not how you do something successful. So frankly, I'm kind of patting my back, myself on the back a little bit for the growth we have done by me probably really only working about 20 hours a week of real actual work, even though it might take me 40 or 50 hours a week, um, you know, but it's only actually about 20 hours of actual work just because I'm constantly distracted. So I am excited for these kids to go back to school and, and, and not so much freeing me up, but just letting me have a solid like, you know, six, seven hours a day of just flat out work. I'm excited to see what that brings for myself and the company and growth and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, so that's been, that's been the huge exciting thing around here. Um, you know, we're also talking about maybe going to getting an office space for my wife and I, uh, to go work out of, um, even though now that the kids are home, it doesn't really make much sense now, but you know, just kind of, you know, frankly, I mean, we, we've worked from home. We don't want to have that overhead of a lot of things, but you know, we're starting to stand back and going, you know, there is a, you know, growth and stability and, um, you know, basically vibe that we want to put out into the world. And I think that's going to come from these sort of next big steps that we're taking, you know, really just thinking about scale and thinking about worth and, and, and just fighting through some of those uh, tendencies to undervalue what you do or, 
or sell yourself too low. I mean, you know, I think when we stand back, you know, we launch a lot of people's dreams. And it's, you know, it's because most of the atmosphere we're in, people don't have a, a lot of money. So we don't price ourselves accordingly. And sometimes that has burned us. And it's just kind of, we're trying to shed that skin here, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a hard skin to, to shed really it, because, you know, it, it's, these conversations are seeped into a lot of like emotional, your own personal emotional baggage. I know for myself, particularly, you know, I struggle a lot with worth, right? I struggle a lot with, you know, am I worth what I'm charging? Am I doing enough? Right. And that is just, I, I mean, frankly, for myself, it spins me into a ton of black holes mentally. And it's something that I'm just trying to get out and over and just focus on like, man, we do really good work. You know, we, we build audiences, we get leads, we move people around. So I think it's important that we focus on that um, as we move forward. So I'm going to hold on. I'm going to hit the pause button here real quick. Hold on. All right, I'm back. I had to go take a lead call real quick. So I'm, uh, I'm back, and we are chatting for a quick second here. I'm staring at the whole family who's staring at me because they're all in the kitchen eating, and it's like six raccoons staring at me right now. What am I doing? I'm having a conversation. I'm creating my intro that I was working on while you guys were gone, and then I got a call, and now I have to finish it with eyeballs, and now it's uncomfortable. <laughs> you guys excited to go to school? Eddie, are you excited? Yeah. Who's your teacher? Nice. Oh, somebody just dropped some apple on me. All right, I'll go ahead and wrap this up here. So uh, why don't I go ahead and let's, uh, check out my conversation with Thomas. And we're going to be talking about some sweet art. And uh, I'll hit you guys all next week because I've got two new episodes in the can. We're going to be talking about a WeFunder campaign. And we're going to talk, be talking about a, uh, a dog sleeping bag next week. So, all right, guys. Talk to you all later. Have a great Labor Day. And uh, enjoy my conversation with Thomas. All right. Well, the red light's on. It's go time here. We are recording. So, Thomas, why don't you tell my uh, listeners um, what you had for breakfast this morning? <laughs> okay. I wasn't anticipating this one. That's a great <laughs> question. Uh, for breakfast. I usually don't eat breakfast. Okay. And um, I have a cup of coffee and sit on my deck and welcome the morning that way. So it's always coffee. All right. And uh, I'm not I'm not really a breakfast eater. So okay. Are these fancy coffees? Just straight black? What are you putting in there to spice it up? Yeah. So um, you know I'm a I'm a bit of a pansy drinker when it comes <laughs> to coffee. Like I have friends that are drinking in like uh, black, right? Sure. So I I drink mine with uh, some uh, liquid gold. We call it. It's this. Uh, uh, it's like uh, coffee mate, uh, you know, it just, it just turns it into a fruity, you know, sweet little drink and, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. my, yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Good little, uh, nice little, um, little kick to it. Maybe you know, just gets it going. Nice yeah, little, takes out that bitterness. I think is in that right on. Yeah, it just turns it into some happy stuff. You know, very nice, very nice. Well, cool. Yeah. I think we're all sounding good here. So why don't we jump into the actual interview part? So yeah. why don't you tell my listeners uh, what you're currently raising money for over on Kickstarter? Yeah, sure. So I've been a professional artist for uh, 35 years and um, done everything from Time Magazine, Mad Magazine you know, Entertainment Weekly, Sports Illustrated. I've worked for Disney, Coca-Cola. And in, in the last number of years, I've been drawing um, and posting online. As a, I have a following there. We're all connected, all of my artist friends. I have friends that are super rock stars. And we're all sort of connected and into people that um, really just starting but uh, and people that just are encouraged. And so 
we're all sort of connected, helping each other. So as I've been posting over the last few years, these drawings that I've been doing, uh, a lot of people really love them and said, hey, could you do a book? Could you put this together as a book? And so uh, I put I put it together as a book, uh, assembled it, uh, and uh, sort of just reached out to the community and said, hey, this is a book that I really want to finish up. Uh, it's, uh, it's a drawing sketchbook um, showcasing in the all of my drawings of the last few years in a certain style. So it's just hmm. raw pencil drawings. And so the book is 72 pages and um, it's gotten strong support so far. So cool. the community, community showed me a lot of love and it's super, super cool. I'm super pumped to do it. And we have about maybe 16 days left. So nice. So, so for the layman out there uh, kind of, you know, and they can't see it. So kind of explain what some of these photos look like. What, what are they? What, what is, what do you call it? Pencil sketching? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Super cool. Yes. Yeah, so for example, um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, if you, if you went to my website, uh, uh, com, and you look at what I'm doing, I paint a lot of pop culture. I draw a lot of pop culture. So I'm drawing, um, uh, you know, uh, icons of the entertainment industry of music. So Cher, Bob Dylan, you know, Mick Jagger, the Beatles, and I draw things that people love. And, uh, it's also called fan art. And mm. so, um, at the same time, I'm a caricaturist. I do caricatures. So, you know, big head, tiny little bodies, uh, funny, humorous, uh, uh, draftsmen. And, um, so I'm just drawing these drawings and uh, putting them up and sharing them on every, on every given couple of days I post. And uh, it's somebody had sort of said that, you know, hey, Tom, you're entertaining. You're entertaining <laughs> us is what you're doing. And so in one sense, it's sort of like I'm entertaining people, not trying to elevate what I'm doing. I'm just simply using somebody else's words. But it's uh, it's fun. It's like it's like a. It's drawing amped up and uh, into a, a sort of a, of a of a level of uh, of where you might love drawing or be a fan of drawing and be like cool, mm. or you might just be a fan of Paul McCartney or Bob Dylan and say, "Whoa, I'd love to get that print." So sure, sure. it's um, I'm not alone in doing this. A lot of my friends are great draftsmen and great artists as well, and we all just draw. So because I've been drawing every day for 35 years. Uh, I'm reaching a certain level that, uh, you know, you, you start getting better and people start liking your stuff more because sure. you start appreciating it. You yeah. know what I mean? That's really what it is, but it's a Kickstarter on that, on yeah. that book. So when you started to put together, was there sort of a theme to this book? Was there, you know, even, even though you have maybe all these drawings, did you try to focus on something? Well, uh, really the focus is that it's, uh, it's just this blue, p uh, pencil, uh, uh, style. I'm going to move out of this window here so you can maybe see a little bit better. But um, basically, the uh, the book is um, it's just this. I'm drawing with this thing called a Prismacolor 901 Indigo Blue. It's just this. You know, everybody's used the colored pencil before. It's a certain colored pencil. It's blue, and it has this really cool look to it. And so it um, it takes it out of just a graphite, like black and white drawing into this beautiful blue that actually, if you're going to put something in your house, something with color works better on your walls than mm -hmm. maybe just a pencil sketch. So it's just this, this way that I've been drawing over the last, uh, you know, three years maybe. And, uh, it's really connected and sort of touched people where they've responded more than my other drawings. And so, it's something that I absolutely love to do. So I'm, I'm always drawing in this manner, in this way, trying to get better and develop. Yeah. So 
when did you realize that you had this sort of talent for drawing? I mean, when, when did this start for you? Right. Uh, it was just something I did as a little kid. I mean, so, uh, you know, my story is, is a kind of a crazy story, but, um, it's just where I grew up drawing. So I'm eating cereal and I'm drawing the cereal box. I'm drawing Captain Crunch. I'm drawing Quisp. <laughs> I'm drawing Quake, you know, I'm drawing yeah. Batman. I'm drawing like from mad magazine and I'm just drawing as time. I mean, I'm, I'm drawing, but I'm continuing to draw. So mm. everybody draws, but I'm like drawing, uh, over the top. Like I'm just drawing like, uh, excessively. And so, uh, like my one friend said, he invited his cousin over and to draw and his, his cousin pewtered out, you know, pewtered out in about 20 minutes and Dave was ready to just keep cranking. So <laughs> we're, we're the kind of, and my friends, we're the kind of, uh, artists that, uh, just kept doing it. You know yeah. what I mean? And then we, and then, so then finally I stopped drawing, got into, uh, did sports. Then I got into drugs around, uh, I don't know, eighth grade. And then that, that, that wiped out everything. And then I had a, you know, really bad, you know, uh, got lost for a number of years and then finally wandered into an art class and, um, with an, a 10th grade teacher and I was stoned out of my mind, but she kept encouraging me like, Tom, you can do this. You could do this. So she sort of breathed life into me and encouraged me to keep drawing. Wow. And then after that, um, I got, uh, accepted into a joint vocational school. And then, so, uh, I went there and didn't have to do art. I mean, didn't have to do math or any other uh, <laughs> subjects. And I just did math. I mean, I just did art all the time. And then my 12th grade teacher got in my head and said, Tom, you could do anything you set your mind to. And I was like, this is crazy. Uh, then, uh, my father who was sort of out of the picture came back into the picture, tells me you're going to go to school one way or another. I say, that's not really going to happen. You don't have money. You know, <laughs> he, he was kind of messed up. Anyways, he dies, he gets killed in a robbery. Uh, I'm completely overwhelmed. I get to go to art school for free because of this, the way that wow. it happened. And so art school all of a sudden is a reality. These doors open. I get, I, I go to Pittsburgh, get a degree, get, get a job offer in New York city, move to New York city at 21 and work with Ken bald. Who's, you know, drew Dr. Killed their best friends mm. with Stan Lee wow. who uh, did Spider-Man. And I'm training under this guy for 13 years. And it was just a crazy uh, a reality of, of opportunity and blessing outside of the pain and the darkness. Yeah. And then so after that, uh, you know, got married in New York City with, to my wife. And then we moved here to Minneapolis like uh, 22 years ago. And then everything happened from Mad Magazine called, gave me an opportunity to do the cover. I did that. And then just New York Times called me. All these things started happening because after 13 years of hanging in New York and being trained and working and working hard and having dreams, that things just happened. Sure. And so the last number of years, last you know, 22 years, I've been freelance in Minneapolis. And so it's just been a real gift to be able to do this every day. It's what I love, you know. Just like you said, you know, I work out of the home, raised my, my wife, raised our daughters. Yep. Uh, I'm home every day. I know my daughters. I know their struggles. I know what they like, what they don't like, but yep. I was here and we raised them and they all left. Now, <laughs> you know, it's a crazy story, Jeff. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just yeah. this crazy thing, you know, of like, how do we get to do this? And right. it's crazy. 
That's awesome. You know, when you, when I, I'm always fascinated when I talk to artists, like what, you know, kind of the story you're describing, I've talked to a few of them on the podcast who have these successful Kickstarters and they're just, they're just fluent in art, but I'm always fascinated on the training and stuff. When you, when you mentioned like oh, I was training for 13 years, when it comes to like art and design and drawing and all that sort of stuff, what are, what is training behind that? I mean, what are you, what's the skill sets that you're picking up on? Cause it just seems like so much of it is just natural talent, right? You mentioned I'm drawing a cereal box, right? So yeah. Like yeah. Training and working on, um, right. for your craft. Yeah. Well, to get, to get graded at art as an artist or to get to a level of understanding and knowledge, it requires like years of frustration and struggle <laughs> and crying and erasing the paper until the, 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 the tabletop appears through the table because, through your paper because you've erased so much. It's just years and years of frustration, but it's also years and years of getting uh, drawing next to good people and learning and talking about the struggle. So it's really filled with struggle. I mean, it's like, how, how, how do you become a professional baseball pitcher? You throw a lot of baseballs, but you throw a lot of baseballs around really good people <laughs> that tell you, you need to do this. You need to work on this. This is what you're doing wrong. Mm. So this whole community project, being a great artist or growing is about a community project. It's not a solo effort. It's like being connected in. So this guy, Kenny Bald, told me all the time, Tommy, this isn't really that great. This sucks or whatever. And you learn how to take this and you learn how to grow, but you work on the fundamentals is how it really always works, right? Yeah. It's like throwing a baseball or whatever you're doing. It always goes back to the basics. Mm-hmm. And and so it's, and then, you know, studying with great people, I've always made a habit of doing that. So I always try to connect with great people, seek them out, tell them how great they are. Uh, hopefully I can be their friend if they like my work and we connect and start growing that way as well. So it's, it's a matter of just hard work and growing and being mediocre for a long time. Are, are, are there moments that you can look back on and, and know that, you know, you can see where you went from, I don't know, being a, a, a minor league player to a man, I'm, I'm doing much better. I'm going to be a pro. You know what I mean? Like, did you see moments like that happening over the course of the last 13, 14 years or so? Um, well, I guess uh, there's a few ways to maybe look at it. Sometimes if a magazine calls you and gives you an opportunity, like when I did the cover of Mad Magazine, that was a huge break. That was like, uh, I could have said, hey, I've arrived and just sort of rest on that and say, I'm awesome. But my, I was telling someone this the other day, the issue isn't so much that I did Mad Magazine and now I've arrived. The issue is that that was an okay painting, but now I'm a better painter. I'm a better draftsman. So now it's not so much I did it. It's like, "Mm, that's okay. That's, that's an okay painting. So it's a matter of getting better and better and better. And now I could do it at a different level. So you do arrive at certain, at certain, uh, at moments. And the arrive that I mean is that where all of a sudden, if, um, if all of a sudden I've been drawing in a certain way and, I'm getting ignored, let's say, by art directors and magazines. All of a sudden, if I change something, which I did in 2004, I had a change in how I approached my work. All of a sudden, it opened up all all these doors and all these people started giving me more work because I made an adjustment in being so weird and freaky. Mm -hmm. I started doing caricature a little bit more conservatively, but more portraitive. Well, I think that's interesting because how did you self-reflect and like... Yeah. And, and, and edit yourself because I yeah. think that happens to a lot of people that can't edit themselves, you know? Yeah. That's a great question. What happened was I got rejected. So I got to plug my phone in. It's going to die. So I got rejected. Um, so for example, Der Spiegel called me and they gave me the cover 
for uh, Der Spiegel, which is a very, it's like Time Magazine of Europe. So Der Spiegel's a, a, a big deal. And I knew it was a big deal. I did the cover and I had a, I had a style at the time of doing caricature, you big head, tiny bodies. And, um, and I was in magazines. I was in people magazine. I had done mad magazine and stuff like that, you know, sports illustrated. But when I came to Der Spiegel, they said, here's the cover. I did it. It was George Bush. He was really skinny, little spindly legs. He was shooting his guns off. He's crazy, wacky, a little bit of sweat on his brow, on his little lip. And they looked at it, and after I was done, they said, Tom, we can't run this. And I was broken. I was like, you're mm-hmm. kidding me. First opportunity for the cover of Der Spiegel. And, they, and, and the art director said, Tom, can I tell you, uh, give you some advice? And I said, yeah, go ahead. And he says, if you tune, tune it back a little bit, we have a conservative readership. And if you scare them with your drawings, we can't run them. But if you make this and you figure out how to make adjustments where these, this isn't so crazy, you'll get more work. And that's exactly what I did. I did a uh, uh, went um, went right out after that rejection and and created a piece that was George Bush as a cowboy. Mm. And I have it if you want to see it as, as well. But it's this it's this portraitive big head, tiny little cowboy body on George Bush, mm. and people really kind of connected with it and they yeah. loved it. And it won. It got in a show or something like that. But it was just that adjustment that was really me not just trying to change the style to get work, but it was really, okay, what would I do if I were to make adjustments? That's what happened. So it was rejection, correction, and then it really ignited my future for uh, becoming more myself. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what's been the steps to get a book put together? That seems like it's a whole nother animal to, to kind of collect all these things. What do you have to do to start getting these drawings all ready to go for, for, for publication? Right. So. They, they already exist because I've drawn them. They collect because I post regularly every week on Instagram and, and, and Facebook and Twitter. And so they already exist. They're things I want to draw, things that I love. And like I'm looking at Leon Bridges, I'm listening to his music, and I'm like, wow, this is cool. I want to draw Leon because he's cool. He's super mm-hmm. iconic. I want to draw Sting. I want to draw whatever. So I draw and I post. And, uh, I, I keep these things, um, you know, in my folder on my, on my, um, on my Mac. And so then I realize I'm going to build a book. I'm going to grab, you know, uh, it's going to be 72 pages of pure drawing hedonism, I say. Mm-hmm. And so it's like 72 image, but I have like, uh, 400 drawings. So I have to assemble at least a hundred that I think are solid that I absolutely love and that show different variety and i show my friends and we sort of whittle it down to what we think um is really the coolest and then you whittle it down yeah Yeah. how do you take i mean was there a point in life though it sounds like i mean i think everybody goes through this maybe in their late teens early 20s where i mean so so much of your um profession is criticism right Right. like you know you're mentioning like you, you have to actually judge your own work and say these hundred are good for this book or, and, or listen right. to, or, or trust people around you. Right. You know, how did, was that something that was learned or have you always been that sort of open to criticism of, of, you know, art? I mean, and I come from, you know, I was a songwriter, so I've had many people say, ah, yeah, that's not the right song. You know, so I might right. have 400 yeah. songs, but people know like right. 30 of them, you know? So yeah. I always find that, so, that that's just a, um, it's a, it's a very strong s- skill set to have. And I wonder if that sort of happens too in the book and if that's happened for you. 
Right. It doesn't just happen to you because as artists, we're proud and we create. And this is like, hey, this is precious to me. This is me. Mm -hmm. What are you telling me you don't like us? What do you mean she's not pretty? What do you mean she's ugly? What do you mean her eyes cross-eyed? So it's almost like we, we uh, amateurs, I say, are like this. And I know maybe I don't know many people like this. Uh, the great artists are humble, by the way. Mm -hmm. My friends who are rock stars that draw for Pixar and DreamWorks and all the, you know, all the movies, these guys are humble. They're amazing and they're amazing draftsmen, but they can take criticism. Mm -hmm. And so I learned, I learned how to uh, be, a, uh, to be um, sort of to be teachable uh, by drawing storyboards for 35 years. Mm. And when you draw storyboards, uh, these art directors, they don't have any gloves on. They're just telling you how bad you suck mm. and that the drawing is crap and it doesn't work and draw it again. So you learn pretty easily, uh, pretty quickly after 35 years of drawing storyboards that uh, you're just serving these, uh, these art directors and creatives. So that is where you learn it. Uh, it is also, I think, like you said, one of the, your greatest skill sets. Uh, in the book, on the back page, uh, I want to have this phrase that says, our greatest skill set is to be humble and mm -hmm. teachable. Yeah. That's it. Because we're not solo uh, artists here. We, we, we need each other. We, mm -hmm. we create by being around people that are better than us. And we create by being uh, accountable in a community of a few trusted advisors. Sure, sure, sure. And what, what have you looked for or sought out in terms of a trusted advisor? Like, like you know, is it yeah. just friendship? What, what were you looking for? Yeah. So for example, uh, being online social in a social community with uh, social media, it's a, it's a tight knit community. So we all have friends, we all have our favorites, but I, I'm intentional with what I do. So over the years, so for example, one of my trusted advisors is David O'Keefe and he does pop culture. Uh, if you look up David O'Keefe, pop culture, he's brilliant. But, um, I was judging a show. I've always loved his work. And I was judging a show in 2004 and said, wow, this artist is off the charts. I've always loved David's work. He's amazing. So I never could figure out how to reach him because he was a bit of a doofenshmirtz with like not having his, his, <laughs> his name out there where I could reach out to him, but everybody knew him. So I finally was judging the show. There's his phone number. I call him up and I call him up to tell him how awesome he is. And we became, we became buddies at that point and we've stayed friends. He's one of my dear friends and one of my, uh, uh, best, uh, advocates and confidants, uh, and, and colleague where we, uh, he'll say that doesn't work or why I have another friend, Gary Locke that does the same thing. Another friend, Kevin Sacco. These are buddies that are serious draftsmen and they will shoot down mediocrity. They'll challenge you. So just by reaching out and telling people that you love, that they're awesome and tell them what you love about their work. Um, don't be afraid to share their work. Don't be afraid to be humble and just acknowledge greatness. Uh, that can work to your advantage. Just don't try to be that, have, be, have it be the only reason. Right. You know, that you're, right. you're trying to manipulate something. They know. But really, sure. these things are organic. Dear, I've told people that they're great and nothing's become of our friendships. But the friendships that are really meant to be, those are the ones that stick. And I try to treat everybody in a, in a, in a genuine way uh, and try to try to encourage everybody that's at various levels. But it seems like you know who you'll connect with. And, sure. they, and those are the ones that stick and they help you mm -hmm. as you move through your career. What do you tell somebody who might be 16, 17 that has a, you know, has that glimmer of, or they've got that talent in there? Like what, what does, um, you know, today's culture look like for, 
for drawing and, and creating like that? Like, what's the advice right now? Is it, oh, you got to go to college or you just got to have connections? What, what do you kind of tell people? Yeah, yeah just- it's a whole, yeah, it's a whole different day. Uh, you know, what do you say to a 16, 17 year old kid? You go to school and spend, you know, 60,000 a year and get out with, uh, you know, what is it? A five years, uh, five years now. And, you know, you're looking at 250, $300,000. I mean, like, that's absolutely crazy. Uh, that's, that's a mortgage payment and you're 22. Uh, you have to make yourself marketable. But the number one thing I would tell a 16, 17 year old, uh, kid is, is draw, 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 study, try to study with great artists wherever you live and take, uh, take, uh, go study. If it's an atelier, like a, a studio that they have, go there, study, uh, work as hard as you can buy books, uh, go online, try to figure out how to study online. I teach at a place called schoolism.com and it's just, uh, I have students all over the world. So I'm teaching 15 year old kids I'm, and they're studying with me. I've got 35 years of experience. And so the world is a, uh, an online school now. Yeah. And so you can actually reach out to your heroes and talk to them. Mm-hmm. This didn't happen when I was, you know, right. 35 years ago, 1984, 83, 81, 82, you know, like, come on. I mean, the, 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 the web didn't exist. Uh, email didn't exist. I mean, you know what I mean? You had to yeah. buy a book and figure this out, but, right. um, but yeah, reach out. Um, if you can study with, uh, in somebody's studio, do it. If you have the money to go to school, um, try to figure out, what you want to do, what you absolutely love to do and, and try to do that. And whatever it takes to do that, do it. If it means you have to drop 300,000 or you have it, then that's, that's, that's the worst case scenario. Yeah. But if you can go out, get a job and you're, let's say you're a designer and you're going to design for like logos or whatever, that is a, there's, there are staff positions that exist for that. Mm-hmm. You can get a staff job. That's cool. So it might be worth it. If you're just going to be an illustrator, there's no staff jobs as an illustrator necessarily like there was a long time ago. But if you're going to get into animation, go out to California, go, go to these art schools there, talk to your heroes now. Hey, where should I go? You know, there's all these things you can be doing. And it's all basically linked into social media and connecting with your heroes. Well, and it sounds like, uh, just like in music, it still comes down to the 10,000 hour rule. Draw every exactly. day. Just draw, Ab- draw your butt off. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Ira Glass, real quick. That's yeah. a very interesting, uh, necessary video. I, I talk about it in the book as well. The, the, my Kickstarter book. It's like Ira Glass said it very succinctly in his video called creativity. It's like one minute and 37 seconds. It's the, most brilliant way of saying this I've ever heard. And it is just basically that our taste is killer. We, we have this killer taste, but what comes out of our hands is not lining up with our killer taste. And so there's this gap. And so you shorten that gap by draw, drawing, 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 studying, studying. And you have to do maybe 10,000 drawings before you close that gap and, and your taste is lined up with your ability yeah. and you've closed that gap, but it is, it's the 10,000 hour rule. <laughs> yeah. you know? I love it. I, I do some teaching myself and I tell that to almost everybody, I, like, especially when it comes to mixing. I, I used to own recording studios. And like I said, I still do live sound for mega churches. And That's uh, awesome. I get people who are just like, well, I'm 17. I want to mix. I, I, it's like, 
Man, I've That's been awesome. 20 some years, man. And I'm yeah. still learning something new. So right on. Well, let's right. look over to the actual Kickstarter. So, I mean, we're talking with about 16 days to go. Um, and this will go out and they'll probably be th- 14, 13, something along those lines. And I mean, you've crushed your goal. You had a $7,500 goal. So fairly low, but I wanted to talk because I think this is just an awesome project. Um, so you're sitting at about 20, almost 22 grand. So you know, what did you do to get ready to launch this Kickstarter outside of obviously you had the community going on Instagram and you were posting and being active, but what did you do to kind of just get ready before you launched? Yeah. So the best way to get ready is number one, uh, take about a week and read it, read Kickstarter, study it, (laughs) read the questions, read the concerns, read the fears, read the successes, spend time reading it. Uh, so, so spend a lot of time writing this thing and crafting it and shaping it and rewriting it and editing it and have someone that knows what they're doing. My wife is my editor. She's a brilliant writer and she edits. So we, we edit this thing. We, and I talk to people, my friends who are rock stars who've actually done it and, and, and succeeded. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, they've actually succeeded at, uh, um, successful campaigns. And so I talk to them and I pick their brains and I tell them what I'm going to do. And they tell me what to do, what not to do. And I say, here's what I'm thinking of. Uh, here's my funding goal. So when I came up with 7,500, uh, it's not like all of a sudden I got $7,500 in my pocket or 22,000 in my pocket. You'd be surprised. There's not a lot, not a lot of this going into my pocket. Mm -hmm. A lot of this is shipping. Yep. Uh, a lot of it's taxes. I know. And so you, 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 and, and, uh, Kickstarter gets a kick, gets a cut. And so there's, there's these, it, but it's a total amazing thing. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's, 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 it's helped me to sell more of my book when it comes out, but it's, it's a serious thing. This is not to be taken lightly. And actually like about a couple of weeks ago, I looked at all the failed, uh, uh, Kickstarter things that they actually show you. And I thought, <laughs> What the heck was I thinking? I yeah. could have failed in front of the whole world, you know. <laughs> like this yeah. is like I don't know if I would do this so quickly yeah. uh, in the future. Like, hey, everybody, I didn't get funded. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, you know. Like, and so you just pick your friends' brains who've done it, and you study it, and you you put it and make it your job to learn and understand. Right. You know what is this thing that I'm getting ready to do? But I would say approach it with great caution. Yeah. So you've got, you know, so obviously with a couple weeks to go still in the campaign, and then there's a, you know, 10 days or so for the money to drop. But what starts to happen after that money comes in? You mentioned a little bit that obviously doesn't go in your pocket, but what starts in the process of you getting this book done and, and out to the backers? Yeah. So, um, again, this is all new for me. So, um, but I know that like, uh, right now, uh, since we've met our goal, um, I, I'm, I'm placing the order for this book. I'm getting this book going and moving. Uh, so it ends in like, uh, what, 16 days. It'll probably be 13 by the time your podcast drops, but like I need to start getting the things done that I know need to be done. So there are, uh, there are prints that I need to be made. There's a lot of things that I can actually do already. Mm-hmm. And then, um, once I come, I'm, I'm going to be, uh, traveling a little bit. Uh, I have some, uh, thing that I have to do with some travel plans, but once I get back, my job, uh, thankfully, it's funded uh, and becoming more funded every day that it allows me that that's going to be my job. Yeah. So whatever money that I do make of it, uh, it's obviously uh, allows me to be an artist and it allows me to do the things that I need to do to, to uh, sort of reward people. So I'm actually drawing in the book. 
I'm uh, I have a one tier that's commissions, and so there's like six of those, and so I owe people drawings now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, yep. I have work to do, and right. thankfully it's it's cool, and I'm I'm grateful for it. So that's great. And you've got a stretch goal announced, right? I believe about I think it's around 25k. Is that correct? Yeah, I just yeah. dropped that today. Yep. Um, I, I don't know if the video is working properly, but um, yeah, it's basically a reward, and it's like, hey guys, uh, I think we can reach twenty five thousand. And, um, if we reach 25,000, share this with your friends, obviously, but if we'd reach 25, um, I'm, I'm going to take some of the excess and, and, and now I'm going to get some cool prints made for everybody. And so there's like four images that I've made four drawings that, that people know about that I've posted on Kickstarter and I posted them on Instagram and, uh, Twitter and Facebook. And, if uh, the majority rules, so out of four prints, if they say, "Hey, we love the Pope," let's uh, mm-hmm. we would like that as an eight and a half by eleven print, uh, and so whatever that is chosen, I'll get that made into a print and put that in with everybody. So it's That's just awesome. like an extra goodie. Yeah, it's a great stretch goal. Really great stretch goal. Cool, so, cool. Uh, so what? Um, you know. What does the next year look like? Is this something that you've kind of envisioned? Maybe you're going to be doing a series of books. Do you get into like a teaching book at some point? Do you? Yeah, absolutely. What, what does the next year look like for you? That's cool. Well, the next year, actually, uh, this, first of all, this is extremely encouraging. So when you dream of something, it says it does two things. It says, wow, I can actually create product. Uh, this is beyond just product. I'm not just doing this to make money. This is, this is intertwined with passion. Mm -hmm. And it obviously you want to make money, but it's, it's like, uh, this says to me and encourages me to go forward and further with other projects or pitch other projects Mm -hmm. possibly. So I have been thinking, wow, I've been doing this 35 years. I have people that follow me and love my work. Like I'd like, and I already teach online. I am going to do a, um, uh, uh, like an instructional book of just deeper, deeper subjects. The book, the Prisma Color 901 Indigo Blue book is more like a thought process. And so there's, there's, there's thinking. It's the way I think. The, the one book I'm thinking about tossing around is a, uh, an instructional book of trying to keep it at a decent size where it's uh, like uh, how to draw, how to use value. You know, what exactly is Tom Fluharty's uh, teaching method for values? And I don't have time to get into yeah. values. I know all, everybody are not artists, but a value is uh, values that the, the, how you use values is a very uh, important topic. Uh, maybe even just how do you draw an eye? How do you draw an eye? You know, yeah. how do you draw a foot? What are you thinking about? Um, so that's what that's one book I want to do is a uh, sort of a, a tutorial and a, and, a, and a teaching book. I also have uh, been drawing a ton of dogs, and we're going down. Um, so I want to do a dog book as well. Hmm. I don't know if I'm going to fund that through Kickstarter, but I'm also going to probably approach uh, one of my favorite publishers, Chronicle Books, hmm. and uh, I really want to do a very complex book on dogs. And I'm already, um, I already have, um, uh, been drawing dogs for the last few years. So I have a, uh, like a sub, it's like a, um, it's a part of me. It's called Thomas Fluharty's mad, mad world of dogs. And so it's just crazy dogs. <laughs> and I, on my side, if you look at me on social media, I did a, a big print called fantastic day, big print of that. So anyways, all that to say, I'm going to do a dog book. And then uh, we're also going to go down and start uh, engaging uh, with the dog freaks of the world at the championships, dog That's championships cool. in Orlando in December. So we're getting a table, a booth, <laughs> and uh, we're going to start engaging <laughs> with nice. the dog freaks, you know? That's very cool. Very cool. 
Well, yeah. where can people, you know, where can people dive into your world outside of Kickstarter? How can people find you online? Yeah, uh, at Instagram, uh, Thomas Fluhardy. Instagram, uh, Twitter, it's uh, Thomas Fluhardy again. Uh, Fluhardy is F is in Frank, L U H A R T Y. Uh, you can shoot me a connect over at uh, Tom Fluhardy at Facebook. Uh, if you go to Thomas Fluhardy at Facebook, that's my uh, art page. I don't really post on there anymore. I just can't manage that. Uh, it's too much to do. But um, yeah, also thomasfluhardy.com. If you just Google my name into uh, uh, Google, that'll come up. Also, I teach at Schoolism, which is super cool. Uh, that's a, a subscription service where you could actually tap in. And uh, let me just see. And you can tap in and... Uh, and follow me on schoolism. And then you can also look at the other great artists that are involved cool. in schoolism as well. Super cool. That's awesome. Well, Thomas, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. I mean, you're in the middle of a Kickstarter and, and, and you got a lot going on. So this was a great, great conversation for me, my listeners. And uh, I wish you nothing but success, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Jeff, I'm so honored. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me today and, and uh, shout, shout no, me out. No problem, man. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks, buddy. Bye-bye now. All right, how about that conversation? Now, I gotta tell you, it's taken me all day to put together this podcast. It is now late at night. I'm trying to do the outro. It has been a constant day of distraction doing this episode. I mean, you heard it in the intro with the kids. But guess what? Kids go back to school next week. My life will come back to order. I'll be able to, um, you know, do a podcast in like an hour, like it's supposed to, instead of it taking all day. So. If this podcast episode sounds distracted, it's because it was distracted. It's that simple. It's just that simple. Uh, but Thomas, I want to thank you so much again for coming on the episode and talking with me and uh, talking about your artwork and kind of your uh, your journey to get to this successful Kickstarter. Um, I appreciate it so much. And uh, again, go support his campaign. Um, the song we're listening to is a song called Changes. I thought it was appropriate because lots of stuff's changed next week, right? Uh, it's a song that was on the old Sugar Roses collection that none of you heard. And, uh, well... You're hearing it now. So, all right, guys, I'll talk to you all later. And uh, remember, we got a couple new episodes next week, so stay tuned and uh, talk to you all later. A single tear could show you don't need her anymore. I don't need your love, I just want it. I wanted to choose my words, but I couldn't. I wanted my thoughts, my words, my voice to be so clear You don't need my love, you just want it I thought your words were supposed to be honest I wanted your thoughts, your words, your voice to disappear Today is the My heart
asleep And he says these words once more 